3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
4: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
5: What is up, everybody? It's me, Jason McIntyre, here on Straight Fire, Thursday, October 22nd. We got a crappy Thursday night football game, but it could be good. Could be good. We had a kind of a boring Wednesday night in the World Series. Rays jump out to a 5-0 lead and hang on to win 6-4. Dodgers were plucky there late, um, but that starter really struggled. They got touched up early, and um, it's tied 1-1. But there's not a lot you can say about baseball. It's not like the NBA where you can really dive deep, and everybody knows the superstars. Um, so that, that'll be it for baseball. They have the night off tonight, and they resume Game 3 on Friday. Um, we got a fun show ahead. I've got an awesome interview with a guy I knew back in Pennsylvania when I lived there before moving out to L.A. He's at the Ringer. He's causing trouble at the Ringer, uh, but he's a good dude. John Gonzalez, you may or may not know his work. Uh, his wife works at NFL Network, so they're a sports media family. And uh, he's just a nice guy, super sharp, and um, we get into a lot of stuff, so uh, enjoy that. I thought about it, and next week, we're going to be doing the giveaway for comments. Um, Last month, we did the three best comments picked out by Rob G. I think this time, I might have my wife, yes, my wife, pick out the best comments on iTunes. You got to leave a witty, funny review. Um, if my wife is not up for it, no, I have not discussed this with her. Um, then we'll go back to Rob G of course. Um, but it will be for the best five-star review and comment, a hundred dollars for the top three comments. So we'll do that next week. Get, get, get ready. Get the mindset right for next week. Uh, I'm going to dig into Thursday night football shortly, but I just want to put this out there. Um, I do it a lot on my Saturday show. I talk about the family and hashtag dad life. And I know you guys are waiting. Where's the best bet, Jason? Come on, give me the best bet. I need to fire on the Eagles Giants. We'll do that. But I just want to put this out there briefly. So I got a second grader and a fourth grader. Hashtag dadlife. And I don't know how to show him, the fourth grader that is, some some of these movies that I like, some scenes I like from movies. We recently, during the pandemic, watched Ace Ventura, which had some couple adult-themed uh, scenes. Nothing significant, but I showed it to them, and they loved it, the second grader and the fourth grader. And recently, the movie Boiler Room was on, on cable. And I know the wife's not going to listen to this, but uh, my mom and dad listen, my brother And hopefully nobody gets angry about this. So I love the movie Boiler Room. I think it's a great movie. It's got some gambling involved, um, some Wall Street action, making money, you know, all that fun stuff. And you guys know the scene I'm talking about. Ben Affleck sits down at the chop shop with all these potential recruits and, you know, is trying to sell the firm to these guys and tells them what they need to do To make a lot of money. You know, he opens the scene with In your first three years, you will make over a million dollars. And, you know, my son's eyes light up because he's like into that Hey, dad, I need money to buy Robux. Um, Hey, dad, what can I do to get money? You know, and he's doing chores. Like he's in that money phase. And obviously, money's not everything. I know that. Don't yell it into the phone or wherever you're listening to the podcast. But, He's in that phase. A lot of his kids, uh, his buddies are bragging about, oh, I have this much money, and everybody's lying, of course. But that's a thing among fourth graders. And I showed him the scene from Boiler Room, and of course, unfortunately, there's like, you know, 23 F-bombs in the scene. But listen, guys, I know if you have kids out there, you know that they're going to hear this stuff. It's out there. It's, you know, we don't say that word. You say it in school, you go to the principal's office, you say it in front of another parent, and we hear... You're in deep trouble. You say it in front of us. Obviously, you're in deep trouble. They've got to be experiencing these things. But my question to you is, is fourth grade too early for that? And as we're watching this boiler room scene, and you know, there are some F-bombs. But listen, my kid's outside hanging out with his buddies, biking around, and kids are saying bad words. You can't shield them from everything. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not going to keep my kid in the house, not hanging out with his friends because some guys say bad words. Obviously, there are who choose to use worse language than others. And we kind of can suss that out and um, try to steer them in another direction. But ultimately, like, they're going to hear this stuff. So I'm just curious if you want to hit me on social media. If fourth grade is too early for that boiler room scene, you know, that would be cool to hear. All right, onward to – actually, let me get to some news real quick. And I totally missed this the other day in the NFL. Tua was named the starter for the Dolphins' next game, not this weekend – In two weeks, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to the bench. So I got to say, it just doesn't feel like a smart move. And I know some people are going to say, hey, man, you're a Jets fan. You hate the Dolphins. That's right. I do not like the Miami Dolphins. I've never liked them. Dan Marino's fake spike touchdown pass in, like, I don't know, 1994 was traumatic for me. I was crestfallen. The Jets were playoff bound that year. And Marino just killed him. And I was just, oh. I still remember watching that, just what just happened. Oh, my gosh. So I don't like the Dolphins. Um, I just still don't think it's a smart move. Okay, we've seen Tua throw two passes. I believe the Dolphins are three and two. They're in the mix for a wild card berth. Who knows? If the Bills go sideways, maybe the Dolphins steal the AFC East. But Fitzpatrick hasn't been horrible. Fitzpatrick's a veteran. The offensive line is it's okay. It's not great. And I just see this move, and I'm like, what? Okay, first of all, is two already. We've seen two passes. It's not like he had to go in because Fitzpatrick was hurt and he performed well or anything. And then next up, it's, wait a sec. Does this have to do with Joe Burrow crushing it with the Bengals and Justin Herbert killing it with the Chargers and the Dolphins, like, feeling heat because they're not playing their rookie? I get it. The clock is ticking. Throw him out there. But, I, I mean... The Bengals had no other option. Andy Dalton, he's gone. Justin Herbert went in fortuitously because Tyrod Taylor got <laughs> his lungs punctured on accident by a trainer. If not, the Chargers will probably be 1-5, in five, not that exciting, not in any of these games, and getting blasted every week. Herbert has been a revelation. I liked him a lot coming in. So, it feels like a force and then some guy sent uh, tweeted at me, hey Jason, look at Fitzpatrick's contract he's gonna hit all these escalators and make up the five million dollars in bonuses and the cheap dolphins I think Stephen Ross is the owner there um they probably don't want to pay him they don't want to give out five million dollars because Fitzpatrick is throwing TD passes um and, and that might be a reason and I that just feels dirty um so I don't know I gotta listen to a, I have no idea how good he's gonna be Um, The one thing I noticed was when he went into the huddle and he went under center, he just looked a little small. And maybe it's because Burrow's a big dude and Herbert's a big guy. But that was just a first glance. I didn't watch enough. Two is probably going to do well. They play the Rams in two weeks. The other thing that was weird about this was, why announce it this early? Um, It just doesn't make sense. Oh, hey, Rams, guess what? In two weeks, we're going to start our rookie quarterback. So, some you know third-tier guy in the video coordinating team of the Rams who's in charge of the next week's games, you don't have to look at any, any real in-depth fits tape. You've got to look at Tua's Alabama tape and what Chan Gailey has done with the offense this year because Chan Gailey, of course, is the new offensive coordinator. I don't know. Uh, my first inclination is that is not a great idea. The other small piece of news, and I don't have much on this, I saw Stan Van Gundy was named the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. And Stan Van Gundy is uh, a guy I don't really know all that well, um, but I do know he has turned his social media account into like a heavy political bet. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Maybe he was political all along, but you go there, you don't, your first thought is this isn't a basketball. Oh, this guy really loves politics. So Stan Van Gundy's brother obviously is Jeff, and um, he may be coming back. We'll see. But Stan Van Gundy coached. Uh, the Miami Heat. And then they went to Spolstra. um, And then they got LeBron. And he then got a job. Uh, It looks like he resigned in Miami. And then he was in Orlando. And um, he was with that Dwight Howard team that got to the NBA Finals. They went to the conference semis with Dwight Howard. Then they got to the NBA Finals with Hito Turkoglu, uh, DJ Augustin, uh, no, I'm sorry. Jameer Nelson. Um, uh, Rashard Lewis. And, you know, a hodgepodge of players. Dwight Howard was at his peak there. And they lost to the Lakers. And then they went to the conference finals the next year. So they had a great three-year run. Uh, and then it petered out and he lost in the first round a couple times. Then he re- resurfaced with the Detroit Pistons. And it was largely a train wreck. Um, but then again, the Pistons franchise has been a train wreck for a while. Um I don't know what to make of Stan Van Gundy, but if I'm Zion Williamson, is this the guy you want you want leading you? You're thinking like, oh, Pelicans, they got a shot next year to be pretty good in the West. The West is going to be deep. Is this really the guy you want, Stan Van Gundy? Um, had success in Miami with Dwayne Wade. Had success in Orlando with Dwight Howard. Went to Detroit, no talent, couldn't do anything. I know you need talent to win, but I'll say this... Um, The guy Malone in Denver uh, had a chance in Sacramento, couldn't do anything, and Denver hired him. And look what he did with Jokic and Jamal Murray. And don't tell me they're superstars yet. They look like superstars, but they weren't when he got the job. I don't know if Stan Van Gundy has that outside-the-box thinking to make a move for the Pelicans. So I I, I, don't Not that impressed if I'm a Pelicans fan. They've got some work to do with that roster. And again, the West is going to be loaded next year. Uh, Warriors are coming back. Uh, We'll see what the T-Wolves are going to be uh, with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. We know Phoenix is creeping. Memphis is good. Um, But the pressure is going to be on Stan Van Gundy instantly to win and get to the playoffs. Because if you don't pull pull it off quickly with uh, Zion Williamson, he's going to be looking for an exit strategy mighty quick. All right, let's quickly get to Thursday Night Football. In a quick change of pace, we will wrap up
0: the podcast with, uh, with the interview. So I'll just give out the best bet here. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: Hey, it's Kevin Hart. In this basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back all my game tickets. Plus, tickets for 23 of my biggest fans to cheer me on while I enjoy the game. Find your seeds. I appreciate the support, people. Eat that pretzel. This will never get old. Use more now. Okay, this is starting to get old. Say the tagline. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. Chase, make more of what's yours.
3: Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC.
4: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X. And modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Dad deserves something
3: really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day.
1: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects Just tell them what you need And Angie will find the right solution for you Get started at Angie.com That's angi.com Or download the app today The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game
4: Is making money while you do it
1: Here's your best bet
5: I got to ask you guys, when when I look at this Giants-Eagles matchup, Eagles were favored by six and a half. It goes down to three and a half on the injuries to Ertz and Miles Sanders. Then it got bumped up to four and a half. I'll give you my pick in a sec. But, I mean, I just, I look at this Eagles team and they should win. They should win tonight. You give me the better coach, no question. Doug Peterson's a better coach than the kid judge. And then you give me the better quarterback, and yes, Carson Wentz is better, no doubt about it, than Daniel Turnover-Jones. I mean, the guy's a turnover machine. Eagles should win this game. And, and frankly, the, you look at this division, and I don't think there's a case to be made for anyone winning it, except the Eagles. Again, Peterson's the most established coach in that division. I know Rivera had a nice run in Carolina, but come on, a rebuilding job in Washington. Um. I think with Dak down, Carson Wentz is undeniably the best quarterback in the division. I mean, it's Andy Dalton, Kyle Allen, and Danny Dimes, folks. This division, garbage. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, is Carson Wentz good? Do we know Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback? He's paid like one. He almost won an MVP a few years back. And side note, I was at that game with a buddy where Carson Wentz was playing the Rams. It was an awesome game. And then Carson Wentz, like, gets injured going into the end zone or near the goal line. And you watch him, like, limping to the locker room. And the Wi-Fi was terrible back then at uh, the Coliseum. And I'm like, oh, Carson Wentz is hurt. That's weird. And he's just limping to the locker room. And I try to Google and see what's going on and couldn't find out anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, it hits. Carson Wentz, like, torn an ACL. What? He was going to be the MVP of the league. And... You know, since then, Carson Wentz has, let's keep it real, folks. Carson Wentz has not been able to stay healthy. And he gets to the playoffs last year. And finally, you know, oh, Carson Wentz is maybe going to win a playoff game. And then he gets hurt in the first quarter because he gets hurt every year. And that's a wrap. Carson Wentz's season over. Carson Wentz, it's crazy. The guy has a franchise quarterback contract. And he's never won a playoff game. He leads the NFL in interceptions this year with nine. And according to Pro Football Focus, i got to say, we had the Pro Football Focus guy on last week. I've been using Pro Football Focus so much this year. This is not an ad. And you can look at the ratings for the players. It's not everything, but it's it's important. Carson Wentz is rated, according to Pro Football Focus, 28th of the 36 starting quarterbacks this year in the league. 28th! He's paid franchise money. I, I don't know at this juncture if Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. Yes, he had his... Best season uh, when he was going to be the MVP, 33 touchdowns, 7 picks. That was year two. And I think we're still skewed by, oh, yeah, remember when he was nearly the MVP? Last year, do we give him a mulligan because, you know, he was the first quarterback in NFL history to not have a running back or a receiver over 500 yards? Carson Wentz, first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards. And not have a receiver over 500. I mean, I joked on The Herd last year, and they, and they like this, that Carson Wentz, like during December, they were pulling guys out of the manger scene in nativity churches to play receiver for Carson Wentz. That's how bad and bleak it was for the Eagles. And he still got him to the playoffs. So we got to give him some leeway. And then this year you come out and he's got the worst uh, yards per attempt of his career, the lowest completion percentage, he has more interceptions, nine, than he had each of the last three years, seven. I mean, he's taking on sacks like the Titanic took on water. It's been sacks 25 times right now. I believe that's tops in the league, he even past Joe Burrow. Worst quarterback rating. So he's pretty terrible. But then you're like, oh, well, who's he throwing to? Oh, they got that Travis Fulham guy. Who? Some guys are telling me on, on on Instagram, they're like, oh, yeah, he went to ODU. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I did attend Virginia Tech, but uh, I don't know anything about ODU football. If you say Travis Fulham is on was on the team, great. I got him on my fantasy squad. Uh, but, you know, the, in reality, um, I, I just, I, I don't know if I can kill Carson Wentz, but I, st- is it weird that I can't kill him, but I don't know if I can trust him and I don't know how good he is? Is that possible after What does he play? 60 games? We just don't know. I don't think we know what Carson Wentz is going to look like. Like, listen, we're kind of giving Dak a pass because of the offensive line. Do we have to give Carson Wentz a pass? In the fourth quarter against the Ravens last week, he had his starting center, four backups on the offensive line, lost his tight end, Ertz, lost his running back, Sanders, and still was able to somehow cobble together 22 points and make it interesting and cover against the Ravens. So, Ultimately, I, I I don't know about Carson Wentz. He's still got a lot to prove to me. And listen, if they win six games this year or seven and get to the playoffs and lose in the first round, Carson Wentz still gonna be without a playoff win. All that being said, give me the Eagles tonight, favored by four and a half. Listen, I would have loved Giants at six and a half where it was earlier in the week, but I didn't pull the trigger. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Eagles at four and a half. So Monday we went one and one. Arizona hit. And uh, Buffalo missed. So I don't actually have the record in front of me, but I will put it on social media because I know you guys are watching like Hawks. Um, Two and two in the NFL Sunday, one and one Monday. Eh, not where we want to be, but trust me, I think the Eagles deliver four and a half. All right, coming up next, we have a great interview with John Gonzalez from The Ringer. And then Friday, big interview guest. And we will do NFL Week 7
0: picks. Enjoy the interview.
2: Hey, it's Kevin Hart. In this basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back all my game tickets. Plus, tickets for 23 of my biggest fans to cheer me on while I enjoy the game. Find
4: your
2: seats. I appreciate the support, people. Eat that pretzel. This'll never get old. Use more napkins. Okay, this is starting to get old. Save the tagline. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited.
3: Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand.
1: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell him what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today.
0: You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
1: I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't. He knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
5: All right, let's welcome into the podcast a guy who I can't wait to talk to. I cannot wait. It's been a while. I saw him at a Laker game. And the real reason is he gave me my first shot on television. Yes, folks, it's true. John Gonzalez from The Ringer. Johnny, how you doing, man?
6: My man, I can't believe that that launched uh, your incredible career. Look at you now and also... I expect that there should be some sort of finder's fee that maybe got lost in the yes, mail. Yes, of
5: course, of course. I will let Fox know uh, yes, that you do. need a fee. Um, so yeah, let's let's go back to that. I'm sure the listeners care so much about how we became friendly outside of Philadelphia. In no, oh, was it four, 2014? When did you start your show?
6: A very long time ago. Who can even remember these things? Uh, yeah, it was in like it was like 2013, 2014, somewhere in that neighborhood.
5: So you pitched, you you had a blog, we we were bloggers both, right? And you pitched your blog into a show. Is that how it went down?
6: Uh, no, different. The blog existed separate from me. So I was, I'd left the Inquirer where I was a columnist in Philly and then uh, went to NBC Sports Philly where I was a columnist there and then did a bunch of TV for them. I did Sixers pre and post game. Mm-hmm. I did the Eagles post post game show, which... Uh, aficionados and fans of Philadelphia almost certainly do not remember because it would be on at like 2 a.m. Oh. Uh, and then they gave me the weird 700-level show uh, that featured you and, and now has been decommissioned uh, while you have gone oh. on to Super Startup.
5: As have you, uh, obviously, at the ringer, doing big things. Now, I, I, I did not prepare you for this question at all. We're all mm-hmm. obviously talk Eagles and Sixers and life. But I have to say, the most shocking thing I ever learned about you Was And I think we were walking in the Sixers arena. And I say, so where were you before this? And you were like, oh, I was in politics in Texas. And I was just so thrown back like what? And uh, this is an election year. I don't expect you to go deep on Biden or Trump. I'm just curious as to your level of interest in politics, how the hell you got into there, how you pivoted to sports.
6: Okay, so this is only kind of right. Your revisionist history is Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I like that this is is how you remember it, that I was some big political wig in Texas. No, I've always been a journalist. Uh, I haven't always written about sports. I've written about any number of things. Like there was a time when I was in Boston where I was a a senior writer for a magazine and I was writing about, you know, movie stars and scientists and murders and whatever was interesting, predominantly sports. But uh, when I first got to Texas, politics has always been an interest of mine. And, uh, you know, just like, To fight off some of the boredom from just covering sports, they let me dabble in writing about politics. And that led to a story about how uh, in Texas, and this might uh, shock your listeners, in Texas, if you are not a Republican, uh, you are essentially a third-party candidate. And if you're a third-party candidate, you don't exist. So at that time, I thought a really good way to frame how the districts had been redrawn would be to run as a third party candidate and then write about that first person experience. So uh, was I in politics? Technically, yes, but mostly <laughs> I just co- I just covered And then I, in Boston and in, in Massachusetts, I covered politics too, so uh, I've dabbled.
5: And now you're in LA and um, how's that working out? I, I mean, the politics out here uh, make me depressed. Um, the state's on lockdown, but you don't even have kids, so it doesn't impact you. You're probably jet setting with your famous wife uh, <laughs> all over the country, right? Are you guys enjoying it out here? I love
6: Los Angeles and California. I'm going to avoid jet setting until 2021, 2022 outside. Right. Uh, fingers crossed for a vaccine. But uh, yes, California is great, as you know, because unlike when we lived in Philadelphia, no snow here. I don't need to shovel. Uh, it doesn't get cold. I don't even, I don't know about you. Do you own a jacket? I don't even own a, no. own a coat.
5: I have a couple sweatshirts, a hoodie, you know. Yeah, there are jacket.
6: times like last year, um, you know, when I would go and cover the Sixers in the playoffs or whatever, uh, or the ringer would send me to whatever cold weather city for for various uh, assignments, where I would get to where I was going, and when I got there, I was like, "Oh right, it's cold here. It's November." <laughs> like I got off the plane last year when after they traded for Jimmy Butler, and it was literally snowing, and I was in shorts and running shoes, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten how things operate."
5: Yeah, out here it's it's pretty nice today. It's what like 75 degrees. I mean, it's gorgeous. Um, Every day,
6: 75 degrees yeah, it's and Yeah, pretty, pretty
5: nice. Uh, all right, let's actually get to sports. Your Eagles, can I call them your Eagles? Like, you're pretty much my go-to guy for Eagles everything.
6: I'll take it. I'll take ownership of this awful, awful team, sure. Well,
5: uh, are they that bad is the question because, uh, you know, and, and why are they that bad? Okay, put the record aside. The injuries have been massive. I don't know how anybody can possibly think this team is going anywhere with the injuries. But I don't know, John. For whatever reason, I feel like they're still gonna win the division. In theory,
6: someone has to. Uh, I haven't done the math on that. I expect yeah. that someone you all I think you're right. The like when you say like how bad are they really because of the injuries, that's a hundred percent fair. They've been decimated by injuries, but so have the cowboys, right? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, the other two teams, I don't, I'm not sure what the giants and the, and the they Redskins their level of injuries, it's possible that they, right, that they just think, but I think that they've had some injuries as well. The, but the division is, is not acquitted itself. Well, I mean, it, it sucked to see what happened with Dak because he was playing so well. And I thought, despite the fact that I'm like by constitution and, and by birthplace supposed to hate the Cowboys, they like offensively, they looked really good defensively. They didn't, but, um, It does – you're right. I think, like, you look at this division and you go, well, uh, somebody has to win. The Eagles are getting Lane Johnson and Deshaun Jackson back for Thursday Night Football. Maybe it'll end up being the Eagles, but it won't be because they cover themselves in glory. This is not a good team.
5: Well, i got to ask, why is it not a good team? I mean, they win the Super Bowl, and I know that the coaching staff has been pillaged a bit. Uh, Nick Foles is gone. The front office has even been uh, raided, if you will. But does this mean that Peterson's not a great coach? Or how do you go from Super Bowl to just, eh, like in a couple years?
6: You know, that's a good question. Um, I think that that's a question that uh, not only Eagles fans, but the Eagles themselves are wrestling with right now. Because I think that there were high hopes for – you know half of the division i don't think anybody thought the giants and the and the washington football team were going to be any good but i do think that there were hopes for hey dak uh, wants to quit himself and go out and win a, a giant new contract and uh, and then with the eagles like you've got a healthy carson Wentz Ertz is a, a really good player you've got Miles Sanders in his second year and like you know they always are casting about looking for wide receivers but there was this expectation that they would be better uh, this season than maybe they were last year and that has not come to fruition yeah. and i think you know, part of it is the injuries, but, you know, then you look at Zach Ertz. Uh, he's been, like, MIA before yeah. the injury. Um, you've got a guy like Miles Sanders who they just, frankly, have not gotten the ball to enough. The offense sort of looks in disarray. Uh, it's hard to judge Carson Wentz, like, considering the state of, of the injuries. So, uh, just to answer your question in a long-winded way, nothing's gone right. Yeah.
5: I, I, I do wonder about Carson Wentz, right? This is a guy who... You know, last week killed me. I had the Ravens, you know, favored by a bunch. And Wentz, with only his starting center, was able to somehow come back in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. Killed me financially. Um, (laughs) But I I just wonder about Wentz. Like, is he loved in Philly? Because, I mean, Nick Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Wentz still does not Mm -hmm. have a playoff victory, which is crazy as it sounds. He's paid like a franchise quarterback. I I don't know. And I got to also say, you know, his off-field... Deeply religious? Is it is it the hunting or the deeply religious? I forget which one it is, but for whatever reason, Eagles fans seem divided on him more so than you would think for a quarterback on a Super Bowl contender every year. Divided
6: uh, is correct. When you say is he loved in Philly, is anybody loved in Philly? <laughs> here's the like here's how it works. Honestly, like so so a couple of years ago before this the Super Bowl year, when when Wentz looked like he was potentially an MVP candidate before yeah. he got hurt here in LA against the Rams and Nick Foles went on that up run and they ended up winning and like nobody thought that they would. Wentz was killing it and everybody loved him and everybody was convinced that he was going to be an absolute superstar. But there are analogues Uh, that we've seen with previous Eagles teams, similarly Donovan McNabb. And early on in Donovan McNabb's career, he looked like a guy that they drafted high, that was going to be incredible, that uh, had a huge ceiling, right? Well, eventually that sours if you don't, as you mentioned, Wentz hasn't won a playoff game. With McNabb it was, couldn't win the big one, couldn't even get to the big one until that Mm. final one that they lost. And forever, and I don't think that this is necessarily unique to, to Eagles fans or Philadelphia, but I do think that we've perfected it. The most popular guy in Philadelphia is always the backup quarterback. That's a good point. And who knows? Maybe Jalen Hurts comes in at some point and then Wentz gets some of his shine back. But uh, it's a tough spot to be in when you're the starting quarterback of the Eagles
5: and you're not playing well. Now, for you at the Ringer, it seems like most of your content is centered around basketball. Do you do NFL stuff? How does that even work? Yeah. So
6: my my job actually has changed over the last year. Previously, when I first came in, it was NBA only. And I had never really been sports specific before. Yeah. You know, when I was in Philly, when you and I uh, did my TV show, it was all four sports. When I was a columnist, it was all four sports. Um, but NBA is the one I like the best. It's the one that I'm best sourced in. Mm-hmm. But ultimately what I like doing the most in media is writing at length and really digging into a topic. So over the last year, I've sort of transitioned to a general assignment, feature writer, columnist where I can write about pretty much anything. In fact, I'm writing about the Eagles. I, I stopped writing about the Eagles to talk to you and see your smiling face. And awesome. for your listeners who can't see,
5: oh, uh, you're rocking an incredible tank top Stop with your it. guns out. Stop it. Um, let me ask you. You, say, you said your job sure. has kind of pivoted. So I got to ask you, you're a media connoisseur. You know the ins and outs. You know where the industry is. Like, does that job really exist anywhere anymore? The general assignment takeout features guy?
6: Um. Not generally, no. I mean, like, in fact you know, it's increasingly short supply even within the last year, right? Like you've yeah. got people who uh, at ESPN got laid off, a ton of people at SB Nation that got laid off. Uh, Bleacher Report Magazine, which was so, a place that did things kind of like what yeah. I do right now, uh, gutted their whole their whole uh, department. Sports Illustrated, a place that I wanted to write for my entire life, right? Uh, that has been, I used to collect them. I used yeah. to have stacks of them. I, I do as in, well. They were, it was an unbelievable publication where they had a whole host of people who did things like that all gone. Right. So to answer your question, no, it's, uh, it's one of the great things about working at the ringer that, uh, we're afforded the opportunity to write pieces that take time, not just to write, but to report. Uh, and that, you know, aren't a thousand words of here's what's happening in the game that you may or may not care about, like, and dig and dig deeper. And that is very much to, uh, to our credit because unfortunately it's harder to find now.
5: Yeah. Do you think it's fair that they're going, that that's kind of going away because now we just see what people click on and we know, Oh, Hey, people love NBA rumors. People love aggregated uh, NFL stuff. People love lists. But then John, where do we go with that? Like, I mean, if we're just doing that, it's like just eating pizza for dinner every day, right? You're not eating any vegetables. You're not getting healthy. You're just eating junk. And, I don't know, part of me gets depressed uh, about the state of sports media uh, here in, what, 2020? I don't know, wh- what does that mean for 2025? Where are we going to be in five yeah,
6: years? Uh, you know, and and that's that's fair, but it's also something that I've heard echoed over you know, my entire lifetime. I mean, and I maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I'm somebody who really enjoys reading. I think that the, ultimately there'll always be a place for it. It just might be harder to find. Like it used to be that you'd have a zillion magazine writers that you could go and read uh, maybe not sports specific, but right. just magazines in general. And now all of that across the industry is harder to find. But I think there's, a, there's always going to be a place for it because uh, there's always going to be people who
5: want to read a more nuanced, and Yeah, I don't know, piece. John. I mean, Sports Illustrated, as you said, is, is basically uh, a shell of itself. ESPN, the magazine, is toast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I subscribe to The New Yorker and it used to be The New Yorker and Esquire. Uh, and then I realized Esquire just stinks. The New Yorker's great, but I just don't know how sustainable it is. Like, I mean, I like reading I'm with you. I love reading, but just the reality is you know, were in the minority. I think, you know, like,
6: yeah, no, no, there's no doubt. But, but you could probably say that about the media in general and the, the sports media in specific, like uh, how sustainable is the model ha- has been a problem for the last two decades. I mean, like when I first, I'll give you an example. Like um, when I was in Boston, I got hired as the third columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Lifelong dream. Who were the like, other two whole, guys? Uh, Bob Ford and Phil, Phil Sheridan.
5: Right, right, right. So, Sheridan. Yeah,
6: yeah. Yeah. And, and Bill Lyon was still writing like, he was sort of like a columnist emeritus and was still like around, right? So okay. people from Philadelphia that know those guys, they're sort of legendary. But me growing up, I thought, okay, I always wanted to be a writer. I've always liked sports. If I could get a job as a columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer, I will do that for the rest of my life. Because that's what happened. Those guys took those jobs and ran with them for 30, 40 years. Right. I got it. I was there for three and a half years and I bounced to the next thing. Right. And they've been laying people off, you know, in cycles for as long as I, from before I worked there through today. So I think like how sustainable is the media model? Man, like I hope you figure it out okay. because we're all in that boat.
5: So isn't that The same as like, I don't know what your parents did. My dad uh, worked at the government for about 25 years, right? Same job every day. Then he retires and gets a pension. And I think of my friend's dads and they had the same job for 20, 30 years. Our generation, I don't know anybody who's had a job longer than like, you know, three, four, five, maybe 10 years. And then you're on to the next one or you're getting side work so you could supplement Mm -hmm. the income and try to be a big baller like yourself and your wife. Yeah. My wife, half of that is right. Yeah. Well, she's at NFL Network, if you guys don't know. But I don't know. I mean, is it boredom? Why are, why are you bouncing around if that's the job you wanted forever? Um, no, I don't think it's boredom. I think that that's the industry. I mean,
6: what you said about the attrition rate is right. I mean, it's difficult now to... First, it's difficult now to get the job. And then it's even more difficult to hold the job because there's so much turnover, there's constant mm. layoffs, and there's calling of the workforce. I mean, you have a place... Take NBC Sports Philly, another... Place that I worked where Comcast is this giant company right yeah and they have a, a zillion dollars well what happened during the pandemic the number one thing the first thing that they did was look to call their workforce and they got rid of all sideline reporters for basketball and hockey oh. across all of the regional sports networks they gutted every regional sports network uh, that they own and they own a whole host of them and it's not because Comcast doesn't have money. It's because they saw a, a chance, an opportunity to, you know, uh, make the bottom line look better and they yeah. took it. And that's the way this industry has been going forever. So, um, look, it's not an easy industry, you know, like this is a business that you get into it and you know, if you get into it, don't get into it thinking like, I'm going to get rich and famous because yeah. almost nobody <laughs> does. You get into it because you like it and it beats having a real job and you hope you have it tomorrow.
5: Yeah. I, you know, when I tell the wife and kids it's Sunday, um, kindly leave me alone starting at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to watch football and rant like a lunatic because I have to for my jobs. They're cool with it. They get it. I mean, you know, you understand your wife, what, is she still traveling for the Thursday night footballer?
6: No. So yeah, normal, in normal years, she'd be on three flights a week to various parts of the country. Uh, Obviously 2020 is very much not a normal year. So uh, because of COVID protocols, they've got her in studio in Culver this year, but The expectation and hope is that eventually, you know, that changes as uh, the pandemic hopefully gets under control. Eventually there's a vaccine, but this season it's going to be in
5: studios. So do you think you'll be traveling at all for the ringer anytime soon or probably not? I mean, good question.
6: I mean, like previously my job was I didn't travel quite as much as Colleen, but I traveled a ton. I probably traveled more than most media people that I know
5: once every two weeks or something.
6: Something like that, yeah. I mean, really re- regularly. I mean, multiple times a month. Uh, in fact, the last time I was on a plane was I was in L.A. for the Lakers-Sixers game where LeBron passed Kobe. Wow. And then the next day, I was on a plane back to to L.A. from Philly. And while we were in the air, Kobe died. And a bunch of the Lakers writers who were on the plane with me, one of them, Dan Wilkie from the uh, mm. L.A. Times, comes back and he's like, did you hear about Kobe? And we're in the air and we're all talking about it and nobody could believe it. And then the pandemic hit and I haven't been on a plane
5: since. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, all right, let's get to the NBA. Uh, I know you're a big, big NBA fan, John. Thoughts on Doc. Let's start with Doc Rivers. Did you think that was a good hire or not really?
6: Are you asking media, John, or are you asking uh Philadelphia and John? Let's start with Philadelphian, and then go media. Okay. <laughs> Actually the answer is the same. I like both, uh, both of them, but for different reasons. Um, NBA wise, I think Doc's a really good coach. I mean, he's oh
5: had, come on! He's had
6: sustained success. Look with stars, ma- John. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to win a championship in the NBA. I would posit to you, like somebody, like it's. I understand why you uh, and some people are results based and go. It only counts if you win a championship. No, the but
5: process I- matters. Come on.
6: Well, a guy like Daryl Morey, right? Daryl Morey never got to the NBA finals. He never, he never won a championship. I think he's one of, if not the most successful general manager of the last, like, 14 years. I would agree. And it just never worked out for him. Uh, Doc won a championship. He didn't get to any with the Clippers. It, that sucks. It doesn't work out sometimes. But I think, like, if you were going to – in the NBA, and I wrote about this over the last couple of years, I think there's a handful of coaches who are really good, and a handful of coaches who are, like, not very good at all. And then in the middle, you just have a bunch of guys who are interchangeable. I think Doc is much closer to the good end of the camp than he is, even to the interchangeable.
5: Okay, so the pushback would be, yes, he's won a championship. Great. How many times has he not met expectations, given the roster, whether it's Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, or 3-1 leads in the playoffs that he's gagged away? Like, I mean, on some level, that stuff matters, doesn't it?
6: Yeah, on some level. Uh, although you said with stars, and I would, I would say to you, good news—he's got Embiid and Simmons, wow. who might not be super. they They might not be superstars, and they might not even fit together. But they are stars. They're stars of some some level. Uh, so who knows? Maybe they just – look, you and I have talked about it. We talked about it on your radio show. I'm a massive Brett Brown guy. I think he's just a good dude who yeah. is good for unicohesion, and he's also, to me, uh, somewhere in the interchangeable to better end of the spectrum. Um, but sometimes you got to switch it up, right? So if you're going to switch it up uh, and it's – you know, there's a finite number of people you could bring in. I, I don't know. Who would you rather have had other than, other than him? Yeah, I, well –
5: I uh, no. I would have gone completely outside the box and out of this sphere. probably somebody that we're not even thinking of because John if you're in that Sixers locker room and you look at Doc Rivers you're not looking at Doc Rivers the guy who won a championship in Boston oh my gosh he's amazing you'd be like yo this is the dude who just gagged away a 3-1 lead up 19 in the third quarter and, and it's and like it, you couldn't you couldn't find a leader in the huddle with this loaded Clippers Who's the leader in the huddle of those Sixers? Tell me, tell me. Let's start there.
6: Well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Remind me how Doc played in the 3-1, when they were up 3-1. Did oh, he play well?
5: come on. He's it the didn't coach. Play. Oh, wait, he's the coach. They let it like halftime me. of every game in, in the uh, game 5, 6, and 7.
6: Okay, Paul George was not Paul George in that series, and you know that. He wasn't Paul George in the playoffs. There's a lot of things going on. And also on top of that, like you don't have the same home court advantage that you True. would normally. Like when we had the playoffs in the NBA – under every other year before this one, the, the higher seed almost always advances, right? The NBA is like such a clock to it. The better team almost always advances. That advantage was taken away from them, and we we were thrown into a bubble situation where the Heat, who were the five seed, advance out of the Eastern Conference. That never happens. So I think yes. there's any number of variables here that's very hard to lay at Doc's feet.
5: Okay, so fair, fair enough. I, I'll let you defend Doc Rivers. He shows up to the He's Sixers. the Philadelphia
6: coach now. What do you
5: expect? Tell me. This is a guy who's been unable to pivot and, you know, make moves and changes and adapt on the fly, leading and halftime in games 5, 6, and 7 against Denver. But it was just a bubble. Um, led 3-1 when he was uh, against the Rockets, I believe, with the Clippers. And he shows up. What, what's he going to say to change things up, this Embiid-Simmons mess that they have on their hands?
6: I don't know. And and that's why he's going to get paid a lot more money than me this year. But I, I am glad that there's going to be like, look, again, I, I like Brett a lot. And I think he did everything he could with that team. But something does need to change, at least philosophically, with how they're deployed. I don't know what the answer is beyond eventually. And this isn't really a doc situation, although supposedly he's going to be working with Elton Brandon, that that sort of reconfigured front office. But eventually, I think the answer might be to split up and beat in Simmons because it's difficult to have. We've seen it. We saw it last year when things were going well, where where if Kawhi – if not for that like yes. freakish historic four-bounce shot, that maybe the Sixers advance to the finals and then who knows. But even in that series, you had Ben Simmons with the ball out of his hands, deployed in the dunker spot along the baseline, sort of marginalized, only really um, being used as like a super defensive stopper, which is great. He's awesome at it, but you need some offense at, at him. And then they've got the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands, which was the right call. It was done out of necessity. But now what do you do moving forward if Ben Simmons doesn't get a jump shot? I mean, like, a lot of that stuff hangs on uh, does Ben Simmons finally improve and add another facet to his game? Because if not, you have that same 4 spacing, clogging issue that's plagued them for the
5: last couple of years. Almost sounds like you're trying to talk me into being an Embiid guy.
6: You know, I don't know which one I would... If you had asked me last year, I would have said you're crazy. Like you got to keep them together. It's really hard to get two players of that age uh, who are under control for the foreseeable future. But now with the way that they've made this this roster Ugh. and they've they've capped themselves out, and it's like they've got this big bully ball thing that like didn't really work, and like the Al Horford contract yeah. a nightmare. I was going to get that. Gonna... What, what do you do with Horford? <laughs> Good luck. I mean, you're gonna have sell- to
5: attach something to that to get off.
6: Oh, that. you have to pay. You're gonna have to pay somebody to take them off your hands and unload that contract. And there's all these pipe dreams and like, uh, you see these stories about maybe they can move them to OKC with a pick oh, in exchange hey, for like that? Chris Paul oh, or something. I'll get right? Yeah. <laughs> now I love that idea, but if you're the Thunder, you'd have to get something significant in return. That would be in terms of draft picks or like cap relief or something. And the, and the Sixers already exhausted their war chest. So it's going to be really hard for them yeah. to unmake this roster unless they decouple the two main guys. And if you do that, I don't know
5: which one you keep. Yeah, um, This idea that Chris Paul is like a fix all for uh, so many teams is such garbage. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who <laughs> feuded with Deandre Jordan, Blake Griffin, James Harden. He acts like an alpha. Cause he thinks he's like a LeBron type. Cause he's buddies with LeBron, but he's never displayed that kind of dominance on the court. Like, are you a Chris Paul guy?
6: I mean, he's one of the great point guards of all time, right? He's Where? certainly he's one not in the three. top five. He's one, well, I mean, I, I'm i not a fly type of guy, he's right? Top we just ten. I'll give about him top this. 10. I'm writing it at length here. I'm not a clickable, yes, yes, Click guy. Um, But I will say that, like, he's certainly of his arrow a great, great player. Yeah. Now, has he, you know, single handedly willed a team to a championship? No, he hasn't. Uh, but I, I think, like, he can make other teams better. Look at what happened in OKC this year. They were good. I, I'm I'm with you that he can frequently be a pain in the ass. There's no doubt about that. However, uh, OKC was supposed to be horrendous this year. Yeah. And they were a, a
5: pleasant surprise. And I think a lot of that is because
6: he's just a really good, smart basketball yeah. player.
5: When he's got players on his team who will listen and fall in line, no problem. Yeah, that's going to work. All right, I'll get you out of here on this one, John. Um, okay. NBA, like, who do you think wins the title next year? And next year. before before that, I gotta ask about Giannis and where you think he ends up going or well, staying. Um,
6: if Milwaukee Bucks fans want him to stick around, I think that uh, they'd want the answer to be the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA championship. Because I think, shy of that, I'd be shocked if he ended up staying. Um, You know, where does he go? I don't know. Everybody hears the rumors about him jumping to, say, a Golden State and becoming, like, the new KD, something like that. I don't know how they pull that off Cap Boys. i have to look at the numbers. Um, Look, the story in Milwaukee has been great with him. I think he's great for that city. It's cool that the franchise is good, but ultimately, if you're Giannis and you're an international superstar, don't you want to be on an international uh, team in an international city? And, like, respect
5: to Milwaukee, it's not that. Yeah, Toronto, Dallas, Miami's an international hub. They have sure, an International sure. Great International Airport, I think. All right, John Gonzalez, um any parting words? You want to say anything real smart to the uh to the listeners out there?
6: Uh, say something smart as I mean, I feel like you be it would be the It'll be the first time that ever happened. Uh, so. I feel like
5: you were like a class valedictorian. And where'd you go? Ivy League school or something like that?
6: Uh, I did. I went to the Ivy League school of uh, Philadelphia, of North Philadelphia called LaSalle. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. You're an explorer. It's basically, it's, the, it's like the extra
5: the extra Ivy League Yeah. School. Lionel the L-Train Simmons, right? That's a great poll by you. You weren't there by him, were you? With, with. No, me. no. He was well before. I'm not that old. So. No, yeah. My bad. My bad. He was when <laughs> I was like in high school or maybe late. He was like eight, late 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he a college was, basketball well, nerd, sadly.
6: He was well before us. Where'd you go?
5: I went to James Madison University. Well, that's where I graduated from. I started at Virginia Tech, transferred to JMU because of journalism, which sure. was a little better. They had like a pipeline that didn't pan out for me. Uh, but Oh, uh, uh, yeah. look at you now. Yeah. In, what... in your face, Virginia Wait, Tech. When you when you got out of college, was the internet like a big deal yet? Uh, it was becoming a deal. Right. Because I went into college thinking I want to be a newspaper guy. I want to. I want sure. to be in the new. I want to be a Lakers beat writer. You know, and like yeah. I got out of college, I was like, oh, internet, hello. I don't want to work yeah. for a newspaper.
6: Well, yeah. and, and then you, you go off and you do the big lead, and now you're on Fox, yeah, you and lucky. I see your yeah, smiling lucky. face all the time. You get lucky. And don't forget about If you want me to say something smart, I will say, don't forget about my cut. That's the check. Yes, yes,
5: pay. obviously. All right, so uh, I'll buy you and the wife a dinner. Maybe you guys will come out here to the beach, and we'll hang that out. That would be wonderful. I would love to see you. All right, John Gonzalez, good stuff, man. Stay safe out there, John. All right, man. Good, good to you and the family.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue.
4: An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off. An ordinary residential area, but extraordinary things happen in ordinary places.
3: The instinct, right away was it was a political thing.
1: We're talking about Russian trained, high-ranking officer in the Secret Service.
4: An Assassin Comes to Town, a six-part podcast. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You
3: wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this.